Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Oh man, was yesterday fun. Oh man, was yesterday fun. I had the time of my life. Trade deadline for the ages. James Harden moved. I mean, wow. Thank you so much to everybody that tuned in to yesterday's show, the live show. Uh, Thank you to everybody that interacted on social media. What a blast. What a blast. I hope you guys had a great trade deadline. I hope you guys upgraded your fantasy teams in some capacity. It didn't, as as it turned out, there actually wasn't that much. That uh, that shifted value-wise in terms of guys that probably went like way above big-time difference makers, but it was still a fun time. So what I thought we could do today... Oh, and by the way, I'm Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today, Friday edition. We're not going to do a weekend review. We're going to do a kind of a deadline review, but not by trade. Explain myself here. This is going to be a deadline review by player, which in my mind was kind of an easier way to reconcile all the information in my head. I did something like this on Twitter last night, and if you guys are not following me over there, please do, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Sports Ethos, by the way, is sportsethos.com, at ethosfantasybk. And what I did last night was what I call the fantasy trade deadline mega thread, effectively. And I went through and just addressed, I don't know how, it, how many it ended up being, but we're going to do this basically the same thing here on the podcast. I went through and addressed any of the players that I thought were interesting as a result of the deadline. And that includes, you know, a couple days leading up to it as well. So that's what we're going to do on today's show. We're going to cover all of the players that I thought were Players of note, post-deadline. I don't even know if that makes any sense. But it will as we start to get rolling. These are in no particular order. I uh, Basically, I, I looked at a board, or I looked at the standings, and I started to work my way through team by team that way. And I just sort of worked my way through the board. And then if I got caught on kind of a vein, like I, I was rolling through a vein, I just followed it to the end. That's not really true. I guess it's more of an artery. Veins are coming back to the heart. Whatever. Biology lesson on a fantasy basketball podcast. Devin Vassell, who I think we can all agree was probably the biggest winner of the trade deadline yesterday. Devin Vassell who already was playing 25 minutes per ball game, was already sitting in the top 125 range in 25 minutes a game. Only 10 shots a night. 11.5 points, 4.3 rebounds, 1.5 assists, a steal, 0.6 blocks, 1.73 pointers. The assumption is with Derek White being traded to Boston and Josh Richardson, I don't know. I mean, I don't see why he would play in San Antonio, but even if he does, it's not going to be like they'd roll him out there for copious minutes or anything. Devin Vassell likely steps into, I would assume, a starting role. And if not a starting role, then it's certainly an extra three or four of those Derek White minutes. And if you just 
extrapolate his stat set, his game, and add another 15% on it, he's inside the top 100. And again, we're not talking about a guy that's going to, and, and this will be the case with pretty much everybody we go through today. There probably wasn't anyone that went from like outside relevance to top 60 kind of thing. That stuff just doesn't really happen all that often. It happened every once in a while. But I think Devin Vassell is your guy that goes from being kind of right in that streamer territory, hovering at times when Pop's giving him consistent minutes in terms of real value. Uh, now it should be nightly. That's what really gets those guys into a, a better standing. You don't ever have to think about whether or not they should be in your lineup. And so we'll start with Devin Vassell. And that's what I mean by kind of going through this thing player by player. I started with him because I thought he was the biggest winner. I'll go through a couple other folks I thought were sort of winners at the trade deadline. I don't know. We'll just bounce our way through. Daniel Gafford, who actually, you know, this is a funny one, too, because... Uh, Daniel Gafford got opened up for minutes, and then, like, mere seconds later, Kristaps Porzingis was traded to Washington. But I would offer this. Kristaps Porzingis hasn't played in a little while already, and I don't know that he's going to play for a little while. Does Porzingis play a game the rest of the way? I truly don't know. My guess is that he probably will at some point. But really, what's, what's Washington's goal in dumping him into the lineup at that point? What would, what would they really be trying to accomplish? And then on the Thomas Bryant front, well, he's just not good. He had an okay fantasy night yesterday on Thursday. 13-6, stealing a couple of blocks, shot the ball well, 19 and a half minutes. His body's just not going to take that much more than that these days. And so when Gafford comes back, he's in protocols right now, he's probably the starting center. And even if he's not, he's going to play enough. Get him his 20 minutes, and he can go top 80, top 85. And if Porzingis doesn't play the rest of the way, then that's probably what you get out of Gafford the rest of the way. So I added him in roto spots. I didn't add him as much in head-to-head, simply because his fantasy game is not quite as conducive to piling up statistics. And also, he's out right now. And I'm in so many damn dogfights in my head-to-head leagues thanks to the revolving door of injuries we've all gone through this year. Unless you got really lucky, you're probably not running away with your head-to-head league. I just can't afford to take zeros. So I added him in some roto leagues, and I'll sit on him until he's better, uh, which I would assume is relatively soon. And then we'll see how he gets deployed, but I think it's going to be pretty good. Next on the board, Thad Young. You guys are probably surprised I didn't talk about him first. You know I love me some Thad Young. And looking at the Toronto Raptors and a blowout win over Houston, where the regulars still played basically 35 minutes. I mean, Gary Trent went nuts again. You look at the other names on this board. Ken Birch, 16 and a half minutes. Precious Achua started and played 15, or 14 minutes. Chris Boucher got 23 off the bench. This is all with Freddie Van Vliet on the shelf. So Delano Blanton had 20 minutes. Gary Trent was sort of the de facto point guard, but everybody was was sharing that responsibility for Toronto. I, I see almost no reason why Thad can't come in and take almost every single minute from either Birch or Achua. Like, one of those guys doesn't really need to play anymore after this trade went down. He's better than they are. He's a good rebounder. He's a better passer. He's better defensively. 
He's better. Offensively, there's just kind of no massive reason to play any of them unless they're going up against a particularly gigantic team. And unfortunately, it is probably going to come at at least the partial expense of Chris Boucher, who's definitely played his way back into Nick Nurse's good graces, but not enough to where Nurse is going to be like, yeah, I'm going to play you if you're having a stupid night and Thad Young is playing well. I added that in just a couple of spots. Again, you know, the head-to-head side of things is a little bit murky. Uh, He'll play as soon as he gets to town, but the role is not set in stone. By the way, Pascal Siakam fouled out in 32 minutes, or he probably would have played an extra three or four there also. Uh, On the Roto side, I think it's one where you could just watch him for one game and see what it's going to look like, and it probably ramps up. I bet his first game he plays like 12, 13 minutes, and everybody has a full panic attack. And then after that... He slides up the board, 15, 17, 18, 20. If he gets above 20, then he's a fantasy value. It's pretty easy when it gets down to that. Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I kind of argued about Hartenstein with some folks, even on the live show, where I said, yeah, like maybe there's, there's some upside there, but the Clippers, to me, have too many options. At center, And you saw it, actually, in their game against Dallas yesterday. The Mavs don't really have traditional centers anymore. Now that Persingas is off the floor, Maxi Kleba's out there. He's mostly stretching the floor. Dwight Powell is not a, an offensive-minded center. So the Clippers didn't need to play big the whole game. Zubat's got his 20-some-odd minutes. Uh, Hartenstein got six. Marcus Morris played small ball center. Even Nick Batum could play some small ball center. Rob Covington could play some small ball center. By the way, yesterday's game with the Clippers is exactly why I'm petrified of rostering anyone on this team other than basically Norman Powell. So I'm kind of out on Hartenstein. He did get a bump. This is better for him than it was when Serge Ibaka was a Clipper. But to me, it's still not enough. Someone else needed to go. Probably Marcus Morris. One other center-eligible player needed to get out of the way for them to be like, okay, now this is, Hardenstein's going to get his 16 minutes reliably, and then if things are going well, it'll be like 22-23. As you saw, there's no guarantee he plays on a given night. So I don't know how you have that kind of guy on your fantasy team, especially in head-to-head. And in Roto, how do you pick the right night to do it? Marvin Bagley briefly uh, seemed like someone that you could add. And uh, then Detroit didn't trade away anybody besides Trey Lyles, who actually they traded in the Marvin Bagley trade. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's a bump, but it's a de facto bump for Bagley. Life got better because he's not in Sacramento anymore and he's not buried on a team that basically doesn't want to play him. Change of scenery, Detroit will give him a look. They'll kick the tires a little bit. Um, But they're not... You know, this isn't what, it, it, not like the Pistons gave up an arm and a leg to get him. This is not someone they were like, oh, we got to get Marvin Bagley. They pretty much traded away uh, junk to have Bagley and just see what happens. That's it. So, you know, nothing is guaranteed there. This isn't, to me, this is very different than Toronto, who went out and they got Thad Young because they want to use him in their, their playoff push. Uh, this is Detroit was like, well, let's see what we can get for some of our scrap heapers, you know, this wasn't the Jeremy Grant trade where they were taking best available offers. This was other stuff. So Bagley is interesting. Um, You know, points leagues, he'd have a little, he'd have a little more interest 
Category leagues, I don't think you can look at them at all. Points leagues, maybe, if they're like, all right, well, we'll shoehorn you into the lineup for 25 minutes a night. But I think you can probably leave him on the wire. Sadly, his teammate now, Kelly Olynyk, is a drop. Played 20 minutes here before Bagley gets to town. That number is only going to go down. Uh, unfortunately, we needed Jeremy Grant to get traded for Olynyk to open things up. He didn't, so they aren't. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention on the Chris Boucher front, I think you got to hold him even after Thad gets to town for at least a week because there's going to be an adjustment. There's a settling period here that's going to take effect. And, uh, once we know what that is, then we can make our call and that kind of thing. But he's been too good lately to just cast him to the, into the ocean. Next on the list, Derek White traded from the Spurs to the Celtics. He's a hold. Uh, Celtics traded away Dennis Schroeder. So White will basically slot into Schroeder's minutes. And we talked about it before. Uh, Schroeder was not a good fantasy player when Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown were all healthy. His minutes hovered more in the, like, 20 to 24 range as opposed to the mid-30s when any one of those three players was on the shelf. I think Derek White plays more than Schroeder does because the Celtics also sent out uh, Josh Richardson. Right? Now I'm second-guessing myself. Josh Richardson went to the, the uh, Spurs. Yeah, that was part of this Derek White trade. Schroeder went to the Rockets. That was the Daniel Tice trade. Might get my stuff together here. Uh, so Josh Richardson and Dennis Schroeder out. Derek White in. That opens up plenty of playing time for White. So he's a stronghold. Boston's going to find a way to use him. It's going to take a couple of weeks for him to figure out what his spot is with this team. But when he does... He should settle back into solid fantasy value like he generally does. Got to pause the show for just a moment to remind you guys of our buddies over at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yes, it is the old site name, but that's okay. We will forgive them the old site name because if you go to that link, expressvpn.com slash hoopball, you get 15 months for the price of 12 on your ExpressVPN membership. And as we've been mentioning throughout the week, if you ever wonder to yourself, how does my internet service provider still only charge me like $45 for internet, but everything else has gone up seven times over? My capability that used to be 70 bucks is now $220. Uh, it's because they're selling your information. And if you want them to sell not your information, you should be using a VPN. ExpressVPN.com is the one for you. It's the highest rated VPN on planet Earth. Check it out, expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Also, you can basically mask where your location is, so it helps with things like streaming. Want to stream uh, Netflix Japan? You can appear to be in Japan. It's pretty sweet, honestly. I would check it out, and I did. I have it. I use it. You boot, you boot up the app, you hit one button to turn it on, and suddenly you are now protected. No one can watch what you're doing. You have privacy. It's pretty magical, actually, in this era of the internet where everybody knows every single thing you're doing. They can't, if you're using a VPN, use this one, expressvpn.com slash hoopball. 15 months for the price of 12. Three bonus months on a one-year membership. Get it today. We were talking just a moment ago about Dennis Schroeder, who then went to Houston, uh... Everybody was kind of yelling that he's going to get bought out. I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen. It might. Uh, things are weird with the Rockets right now because Eric Gordon didn't get traded. He could maybe get shut down. 
Schroeder could get bought out or shut down. Uh, more likely to be bought out, I believe. Schroeder's on a one-year deal. I did probably should have looked that up before this segment. But uh, if he stays in Houston, he might slot right into a mid-20s minutes role like he had in Boston. Problem is that with Schroeder, he really does need to be on the floor a lot. His game isn't all that fantasy-friendly. It's points. It's some assists, maybe not as many as you'd like if he's not running the offense. It's not as many steals as you'd think. It's not as many threes as you'd think. It's really like points, some assists, and a pretty good free throw percent. That's generally not quite enough. So I'm better. I think I'm leaving him on the wire. Even if things look like they're going well for him, I'm probably leaving him on the wire. Uh, Andre Drummond is the next name on the list. I know this is all over the board here, but we're working our way through some of the Eastern Conference teams if that wasn't, if you guys hadn't caught on to that yet. Uh, he's a stream right now because everybody on the Nets that can occupy a front court position seemingly is hurt. Nicholas Claxton's hurt. LaMarcus Aldridge is hurt. Drummond comes in and becomes kind of the only center on the roster. Sorry, Blake Griffin. You're not, I mean, you're a center, but you know, you know, you know. Uh, not a rebounder, not a banger anymore. He's an older guy. Drummond's an older guy, too, at this point, but he'll go in there and he'll get you some boards. Uh, he comes in and he probably plays 25 minutes right out of the shoot, which should be enough for Andre to get a whole bunch of rebounds and some defensive stats because the Nets don't just don't have that many options yet. Once they do, Drummond probably becomes droppable at that point, but he is, in my estimation, a pretty interesting stream here in the short term, and streams are worthwhile. No one's talking at all about Montrez Harrell, who got traded. And the reason no one's talking about Montrez Harrell is because his role stays almost exactly the same, which puts him in kind of that top 130 range. He goes from a team that had a bunch of centers to a team that has a bunch of centers. A faster-paced team, which is good for Montrez. But I think uh, the minutes may be a little bit less guaranteed on a night-to-night basis and also kind of has to learn a bunch of new teammates. So he's not someone that I'm particularly concerned with. If he's on the wire, I think you can leave him there. Whatever team had him before, we'll probably just roll with him from this point on, and that's good enough. What about the Washington backcourt, though? Because they traded away Spencer Dinwiddie and didn't really... And the only uh, guard they picked up... They also traded away Aaron Holiday. The only guard they picked up was Ish Smith from Charlotte. So, what does it mean? Well... The backcourt for Washington now is Aul Neto, Ish Smith, and we've also heard Denny Avdia's name come up as a potential someone that could run a little point. I think on the Avdia front, I'll believe it when I see it. Played 32 minutes last night, had one assist, so he wasn't really running the point. Neto and Kuzma were actually doing most of the orchestrating, and this is before Ish Smith even came to town. Ish Smith goes to Washington, of course, the, uh, the title of this story. This one screams timeshare. This one screams Neto Ish Smith sharing the point guard job. Denny Avdia not actually running the point off the bench. Maybe he gets a little bit more usage with Dinwiddie out of town, but I just don't see Avdia as a guy who's, you know, maybe he gets there at some point in his career. But right now, this early, he doesn't have that aggression level. He hasn't shown the willingness to go be an offensive factor on the team. And until he does, you know, he's not a big-time passer. The steals are pretty good. Rebounds are meh. There isn't the thing, the one thing that can kind of float him the rest of the way through. So I don't much care for any of those guys. I'm going to put them all on a watch list. 
If you even, I mean, I don't even know that you need to worry about that. I'll put Avdi on a watch list. Neto and Smith, I feel pretty confident, are going to timeshare it. I know Neto had a pretty good game, but without Ish there, you can't really measure it. And then Corey Kispert, uh, their teammate, who's probably going to log a ton of shooting guard minutes, is, from a fantasy standpoint, very Jalen Green-like. A lot of shots, not a lot else. There isn't much there especially in a nine-category format. I don't think there's enough there, even in a points format, because the Wizards are going to spread the wealth around on this team a lot. They've been doing it all year. There's no reason to think it'll stop now. Let's talk Pacers next, and there's a few of them. First of all, Isaiah Jackson. Hold. He's a hold. I know we all wanted Miles Turner to get traded. It didn't happen. That's okay. Uh, because Miles is still out for at least another three weeks. And Jackson is most likely back in the not-too-distant future. And at that point, he most likely jumps over Goga Batadze, who I think, you know, maybe if you hold him, you might be able to get one more game out of Goga if Jackson is on a, a minutes count or, or whatever it is, or maybe he's not back yet for the next game. Goga's about to probably vanish into the sun. And then Jalen Smith, who uh, the Pacers picked up from the Suns, I think is someone that we all got maybe a little bit too excited about because he was playing with Chris Paul. Look at what Chris Paul's done to the centers, the fill-in centers on the Suns this year. He's turned JaVale McGee back into a monster dunk master. He turned Bismack Biombo into the perfect version of himself. He turned Jalen Smith into a useful center. That's Chris Paul. That's not those guys. We, you know, we saw what Bismack was without Chris Paul. We've seen what JaVale McGee... Look, I mean, he's fun. Fantasy-wise, McGee can put up some numbers, but nothing like the speed that he's been putting them up with Paul feeding him. And I believe it's the same thing with Jalen Smith. We also already heard reports... And I know I'm covering sort of three centers in one discussion here. We already heard reports out of Indiana that they're interested in, in finding out what they can get for Jalen Smith on the market. And that's kind of not at all subtle code for, this is someone we're going to consider trading in the offseason. We're not going to move him right now. It all came together too quickly, and we don't want to rush it. But that also means this is not someone that we're going to be overly enthusiastic about just shoveling minutes into when we want to develop our guy. Isaiah Jackson's our guy. We drafted him. We want to see what's there. And, you know, great fantasy stat said opportunity to play power forward. They traded Torrey Craig away, so that opened up a whole lot of space there. I think Isaiah Jackson remains a really strong hold through this trade deadline. I'm not that worried about it. I'm not adding Jalen Smith until we see what happens. Maybe he has a good game or two here and there because Turner's still out. Uh, But I honestly think he's third in line right now behind Jackson, who's probably going to play in their next game. He was close, and they've had a number of days off. And then Batadze, who, as much as he's not the... Uh, primary focus, he's still going to get some playing time. Good or bad, I don't know, but he's going to get it. I keep getting questions about Malcolm Brogdon. He's not someone that I wanted or intended to talk about on today's show, Um, but I do think he comes back soon and he plays kind of limited minutes. Miles Turner, probably the same story. Like, they'll just play him like 26, 27 minutes of ballgame, something like that. Keep him healthy. No reason to blow anybody's knees out or Achilles or whatever it happens to be. Uh, while I'm recording this, I just saw some stuff that flew by last night that I somehow missed. The Brooklyn Nets sent out some tweets about the players they uh, they sent away. 
Uh, and for James Harden, it was thank you for everything. And for Paul Millsap, it was thanks for being the consummate pro. <laughs> uh, taking a shot at Harden on the way out. That's funny. Um, DeAnthony Melton did not get traded at the deadline. And yet, I don't know that I care because he is still getting over 20 minutes of ball game lately. And, you know, last night, 14 points, four boards, four assists, a steal, four three-pointers. The DeAnthony Melton hold recommendation was, for a while, the hope that he would get moved at the trade deadline. The DeAnthony Melton hold recommendation now is the hope that his numbers have a mean reversion. He's shooting a career-low 69% at the free-throw line and a career-low 38.4% from the field. His three-point percent is down from 41 to 34 from last year. His field goal percent is down from 44 to 38.5. Everything else is glorious and has trended up the way you'd want it to, with his minutes actually a little bit higher this year than last season. Last year he played 20 minutes a game. This year he's at 23. But because of the percentages because those haven't sorted themselves out, and maybe they won't. It's possible they just don't this entire season. It's not like his shot profile has changed all that much from last year to this year. Last season, of his 7.6 shots a game, 4.1 from downtown. This year, it's actually a slightly lower percentage of three-pointers. Go figure. But he's just not making them. He's not making the threes. He's not making the twos. He's not making the free throws. But the rebounds are up from three to four and a half. Sists are up from 2.5 to 2.7, although, I mean, those could really get higher, but Jaw's been so good at that. Steals are up from 1.2 to 1.6. Like, there is some borderline elite stuff going on here with Melton, and he's being sagged so considerably by field goal and free throw percent. It's why he's in that 125 range this year. If you simply adjust those up, if, the, if 38 becomes 42 from the field and 69 becomes 75... He's a top 85 fantasy player with upside beyond that. Like, that's all it would take is get him back near his career marks of 41 and 75, basically. But he's not there now, and it might not happen this year. We don't know. Still, I think he's holdable, and frankly, most nights he's startable because that's the thing right now. That's the thing. You keep expecting, I keep expecting that it'll settle and hopefully it does. Maybe this is a weight off his shoulder. We'll find out. Hmm. Uh, I put Brandon Clark on this list too. Another guy that I don't really feel like needed to be. He's been top 65 for six weeks. But people kept asking me what to do with Brandon Clark. And I don't know why. Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He's a drop, unfortunately. And he's only a drop because he was added the day before. And this all happened yesterday, so we've. this is something that you guys have, I'm sure, already heard and done, but because yesterday's podcast on this channel was a snippet from the trade deadline show, it, it didn't contain anything on, on Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who was traded from the Pelicans to the Blazers, looked like he was going to have a very large role, and then traded from the Blazers to the Jazz, where his role then shrinks. That was a quick one. Uh, Jalen Brunson is, um, he's a hold, but there's a little bit of fear there now. Um, he didn't have a particularly good ball game yesterday, but that's just because Luka went completely buck wild. He didn't, this was an, I don't need any help game from Doncic. Brunson still played a ton. You know, he still got his opportunities. I am very worried about what Spencer Dinwiddie does to Jalen Brunson. He's not going to hurt Luka Doncic. 
He's going to hurt the other guy that handles the basketball, and that's Brunson. I was really surprised the Mavericks didn't do something else at the trade deadline. It seemed like they were going to move Brunson or get themselves another big man after getting rid of Porzingis. They didn't. They're just a very guard-heavy team right now with a couple of centers in Kleba and Powell that are going to have to hold down the fort if this team's going to make a playoff run. I guess they could look at the buyout market, but it's not like something magical is about to appear over there either. So yeah, I'm a little worried about Jalen Brunson, who, you know, I thought we'd see him fall off when Luka came back this last time, but he, he managed to maintain by continually doing more. He just kept sort of eating more and more, and then Porzingis went down, and it got a little easier because there was usage to grab. This is, this might end it. I am pretty worried, but you got to hold and wait, see what happens. You can't make a preemptive drop there. Spencer Dinwiddie is not going to be a fantasy value in Dallas. He already wasn't a fantasy value in Washington. Number 168 this year. Played a bunch of games without Bradley Beal, too. So no excuse, really. Uh, He goes to a team with Luka Doncic and presumably Jalen Brunson in front of him, shooting 37.5% on the year from the field. At least the free throw number's been a little bit better this season. But Dinwiddie, no defensive stats, minimal three-pointers. No. He's 168, and he's trending down. He's basically a drop. If he wasn't already dropped, which he should have been, he certainly is now. Uh, oh, perfectly good opportunity to remind you guys that at thrivefantasy.com, this is a really fun time to get involved in that stuff. After the trade deadline, you can make some calls that other people won't have the stones to make and turn a little money into a bunch of money. Hey, our very own Keith Cork was telling me about his success with Thrive Fantasy. I think he turned 10 bucks into 90 bucks the other night. Also, he was telling me about what a wonderful experience he had with their customer service folks. So also a feather in the cap at the good people at thrivefantasy.com. Go there now. Use promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, when you sign up. You get a 100% deposit match. And with just a $10 deposit, in addition to the $10 match, you will also get da-da-da, a pair of of $20 contest entry vouchers. Normally, those would cost you $20 to get in those contests, and they'll give you two of those for free with a $10 deposit. So you deposit 10, use our promo code ETHOS, you get the extra 10 and another 40 in gaming bucks. It's an unbelievable deal. Follow our DFS team. Hell, follow Keith, who we just talked about. Follow somebody, and you could be making a bunch of money over at thrivefantasy.com. Really awesome way to play some daily fantasy sports. It's prop bets. Get involved. Again, promo code over there, thrivefantasy.com, promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S. That'll tell them Dan sent you. Jackson Hayes was not originally going to be on this list, but then he had a really bad ball game on Thursday, and I felt like I needed to dump him into it. Um, I'm not panicking after one ball ballgame. Um, there's always sort of a an opponent factor that comes into play. The Heat are different than some other teams. Yes, C.J. McCollum came in, immediately played 37 minutes, which is a handful more than Josh Hart was playing. But also in this game, uh, you saw Gary Clark get 20 minutes. Jose Alvarado got 20 minutes. He was playing really well, so that was probably more than usual. I got a hold on Hayes a little bit longer. It'd be pretty wild for someone who was playing 25 minutes, even when Hart was around, to drop down to 16 per ball game. Yeah, it's conceivable that McCollum actually does knock him out of the picture. I also think Devontae Graham played a better game than usual in this one, so he saw a couple extra minutes. 
Otherwise, things were pretty well accounted for. McCollum's going to play big minutes. Ingram's going to play big minutes. Valanciunas is going to play big minutes. Pelicans want to win. Uh, the Heat are just a damn buzzsaw, though, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. On the Hayes front, you can worry a little bit, but don't part yet. Give it a little bit more. Justice Winslow. He becomes an ad for me. My One of my big uh, trepidations with Winslow was, well, the percentages, yes, that's a, a pretty obvious one, uh, but that we heard Portland was linked to Jeremy Grant. We didn't know if they were going to be moving more bodies around leading up to the trade deadline. They didn't. Portland didn't make another move on Thursday. They were done before trade deadline Thursday, and basically that means that what we saw in their ballgame on Wednesday night is not that far off from what they're going to be going forward. Yeah, Josh Hart and Eric Bledsoe to that team. I don't know how many minutes someone like Bledsoe is actually going to log for Portland. Uh, he's beat up a bit. They probably get him in there for some time. Um, but look at all the players that could lose minutes before Justice Winslow at power forward. Dennis Smith Jr. played 22 minutes. Do Bledsoe's minutes come there? Possibly. Ben McLemore, 28 minutes. I'm sure some of his minutes come there. C.J. Ellaby, 43 minutes. Josh Hart's going to see a lot of those. Trenton Watford, 15. Uh, Winslow played 33 and a half minutes, and not many of these other guys can really play power forward. Josh Hart maybe could stretch up there. Ellaby maybe could stretch up there. Uh, but Winslow's the one guy that has the power to deal with other teams' stronger players on the floor. So, again, yes, the low free throw percent is going to be a buzzkill. The field goal percent is kind of mildly sub-average. It's not that big of a deal. But if he's out there and he's really getting mega minutes on a team that's sort of in throwaway time, that's a perfect opportunity. One of the reasons we never saw Winslow thrive was, well, his body hasn't really allowed him to. But also, when he's in Miami, he was in a, a pretty constrained system. If he did something dumb, he was getting yanked. In Portland right now, it's a free-for-all. Get nuts. Go rebound. Take heat checks. Gamble for steals. Whatever you got to do. Screw off and have a good time and you know, try to close out the season with a little bit of fun. I think Winslow actually ends up, you know, that surprised me. Like I said, I thought Portland was going to do something else. I didn't know what it was going to be, but I was very worried. And now that they didn't, I think you got to go and get him because it looks like that job is his. The King's Wings. Ah, the Wing King. Well, as of yesterday, I thought, well, yesterday morning, I guess I should say. As of yesterday morning, I thought Justin Holiday and Jeremy Lamb each might have had a chance to have value. And then as of yesterday, a little bit later in the day, uh, I no longer did. Because the Kings acquired Dante DiVincenzo. And that means that they've got wings coming out of their ears all of a sudden. I went from a team that really didn't have any to now having a ton. So Holiday, Lamb, DiVincenzo, those guys are all going to be fighting for the small forward minutes for the most part. And Davion Mitchell is probably going to get caught up in that a little bit with his shooting guard minutes. I think Mitchell probably has sort of the first dibs on shooting guard minutes. DiVincenzo likely has first dibs on the small forward minutes. But if things are going poorly, you could see Holiday play shooting guard and Lamb play small forward and the starters could get benched. As it stands... I don't think I need DiVincenzo on my fantasy team. I don't think I need Holiday or Lamb on my fantasy teams. Mitchell is the closest 
But even he, we t- you know, he had a huge game on Wednesday. But even he generally is just hucking threes. So I'd say the plurality here, the largest or the most likely outcome among, like, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down for each individual player is that all four end up outside the top 120. The one with the best chance to get inside the top 120 is Mitchell. So if you've got him, probably hold him at this point. If he's sitting on your waiver wire, I don't know that you need to make a blitz for him anyway. And then with the other three guys, I think they're probably droppable. Not that you had Dante DiVincenzo anyway, but Holiday, he was on some rosters. He probably is droppable now because DiVincenzo is basically going to be challenging him, playing the exact same position and kind of the exact same role. Little retread here on Garrison Matthews from earlier in the week with Eric Gordon not getting traded. Uh, I still like Matthews. I think the Rockets still like Matthews. He had a pretty solid game again uh, on Thursday. The issue, of course, is that, for one, he's not going to blow the roof off the building. Even his decent games are going to be like this one. 19 points, 6 boards, a steal, some 3-pointers, decent ball game. Missed some free throws, which is a little unusual for him. But Dennis Schroeder coming to town, that's a potential style cramper if he takes them shots away. If Eric Gordon does play again this season, that's going to cramp everybody's style. You know, I thought the Rockets were going to clear things out. And then Alper and Shengun got sent back to the bench. He still played 20 minutes, uh... But we kind of need more than that from him also. The Rockets, by the way, are in real jeopardy of falling into a position of having very few fantasy-relevant players when two days ago it looked like Matthews might be a great, not great, a decent one. Sengun might be a pretty good one. Christian Wood might get moved. Kevin Porter Jr. has actually played better lately, to his credit. Um, but right now, as of what I'm doing with these guys over the weekend... I have Matthews on some teams. I'll probably just ride it out, see what happens here for a little bit. Um, I don't think you need to have Jalen Green on your team. He's not. He's going to lose value with Schroeder coming in and maybe Gordon playing again. And Alperen Sengun, who, I mean, how many of you guys kept yelling at me that you've been stashing him for four months? Like, this is, this is terrifying. If he's really going to lose that starter's job, it looked like they were totally turning him loose. But I think they wanted Wood at center. He's better at center. And if this is what we start to see now, then Sengun ends up being a drop after that. But you're holding him for now. Hold Matthews for now. Don't panic. Let's see what the Rockets look like when Schroeder comes to town. And that, believe it or not, I'm sure I missed somebody in there. That's basically the list. I thought that was the list of interesting things from Thursday. By the way, I want to thank our buddies at manscaped.com. Promo code there is ethos20. I used a Manscaped sideburn trimmer to trim my neck beard before going on the live show on Thursday. I'm not kidding. Manscaped.com. Ethos20. Get 20% off and free shipping on anything at manscaped.com. Hey, go sign up at mybookie.ag as well. The Super Bowl is coming this weekend. That's kind of an important thing, wouldn't you say? Go bet on the Super Bowl with mybookie.ag. Sign up using promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. And, uh, oh, they've got a free $20 coin toss prop if you're a first-time depositor. So if you make a deposit, you get a free $20 coin toss prop bet. Heads or tails, man. Let's get nuts. Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. Surely you need a spot to bet on the Super Bowl. Rams favored by four and a half right now, which effectively they're listed as the road team, but it's a it's in their home 
stadium here in Southern California, SoFi. Oh, man, what a week. What a way to end it. Super fun Thursday. Uh, super fun Friday coming up. We're not going to do a Thursday box score recap because there's just too much going on right now. Uh, again, if you guys want to do more on this stuff, hit me up on social. Twitter uh, is at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Please do rate and review the pod if you have a moment. I haven't bugged you guys about that in a really long time. Uh, and we'll have a reverse chronological lightning round on Monday. Loop it back around. I'm exhausted from trade deadline stuff, but damn, it was fun. I am Dan Bespris for Fantasy NBA Today. Have a fantastic weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you on Monday.